Welcome to Stall Warning. I am Pachito Ojeda, joined today by Cal Poly head coach Bobby Dabrio. Coach, how are you doing today? Doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing very well. Must feel good, you know, end of the season number one this year. It's a good day. Yeah, we are proud of uh, our resume at the end of the day. We were making improvements and um, ultimately I think, you know, we put ourselves in position to be a contender, which was the goal. Yeah, you guys had a really good year this year. You started off uh, hot and got some good some good dubs and finished up with a big win over Cal, which is always good in conference rival. Um, but, uh, you know, how did you feel about 2020 so far? Uh, it's been a tough year. It's been a tough start to the year uh, in many ways, like we all know. Um, you know, lacrosse-wise, I think we had a, like I said, we, we had a really solid start to the year. It's unfortunate that we didn't get to see it out and um, really try to attain our goals. Um, so that's a tough pill to swallow, especially for the six seniors we had. Um, but, you know, this is life and it's about overcoming adversity. So it is what it is. Yeah, well, you guys had a, a really good start this year. Like I said, the big win over Cal, uh, a couple other big wins over USC, yeah, Concordia, Irvine, and uh, and Boston College, which is where you hail from the the Boston area. So, must have been nice to beat that school. Yeah, I uh, I grew up going to Boston College hockey games pretty much every Friday night when I was in middle school with my grandfather. So uh, I am a huge BC fan. Uh, so that definitely felt nice. And not only that, but my former assistant at Cal Poly is the head coach at BC, and my former college roommate and teammate was his assistant. So it was uh, really fun to battle against those guys. Yeah, they, they always say, you know, it's more fun to get wins over your friends than your enemies. Um, so that's awesome, man. Well, uh, well, thanks for joining us today. We're excited to talk about your story and, and kind of how you got uh, from Boston uh, to the West coast. Um, so let's take a few minutes and let's talk about, talk about that. So you went to Wu, Wu Bin high school, uh, graduated in Oh three, you know, why is it spelled Wauburn, but pronounced Wu Bin? Uh, so graduating no two, um, it, it's, I think it's just a Boston accent. You know, it's, you know, if you look at it, a lot of people say Wauburn, but it's Wu Bin. <laughs> Yeah, we just you like, corrected me. Like Gloucester is Glossa. And oh, Worcester is Worcester. Oh my gosh, that's great. It's great stuff. So um so you went to high school, you, you head out to Plymouth State University. You're there from 03 to, to 06 or 02 to 06. Did I get the dates wrong there? Yeah, 02 to 06. 02 to 06. Um and you led the team in scoring junior year and we're second team all conference, but you know, tell me a little bit about that experience uh, playing Division Three lacrosse out in the East Coast. It was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, we weren't very good. Uh, I think we had one solid year where we actually had some uh, good wins, uh, which was my junior year. Uh, but overall, the experience was great. You know, I formed some lifelong friendships, like I just talked about uh, playing playing BC. Um, but it, it was a lot of fun. We weren't we weren't a great lacrosse team, but we were a fun team. That's awesome. Where is Plymouth State exactly in the Northeast? I, I actually don't know. It's about two hours north of Boston in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. 
Oh man, so that's a, that's a pretty gorgeous area. So kind of a probably a pretty cool campus to be on, anyways, right? Yeah, for sure. If you like skiing or snowboarding, it's definitely a good spot to be. Yeah, a, a little bit colder than it is in slow, I'd imagine. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So yeah, uh, so you graduate from from Plymouth in '06, and you head out to Reading High School in Reading, Massachusetts, to be in a or to be an assistant coach in, in 20 in 2007. And you were telling me about how you got that job and then how you basically learned everything you need to know about coaching. So tell us a little of that experience being an assistant coach under a, under a legend. So, yeah. Um, you know, a family friend of ours by the name of Charlie Hardy was the head coach. He started the Reading program and he instantly turned them into a perennial powerhouse. And uh, Charlie is a legendary coach, a legendary player. I think he still holds the record for assists in a game or assists in a year at UMass Amherst. Uh, he's a Nassau Hall of Famer, Long Island Hall of Famer. This guy's got all the accolades. And not only that, he's a great, great mentor, great person, great coach. And, um, you know, I learned a lot about coaching from him. That's pretty cool. What'd you do for him uh, at Reading? So my first year, my first two years, I was the JV coach. And when we'd get done with JV, I would come and help out the varsity. And um, coaching JV was really fun. He, you know, kind of gave me the freedom to do what I wanted. And, you know, so I got to draw up plays that were horrible and didn't work and do things that, you know, I'd never done before. And, you know, coach freshman in high school, which was um, a challenge at first, but ended up being really fun. And uh, it was good for my career to have my own team and just not be an assistant, um, which later on, I think three years later, I became the, the assistant varsity coach and um, had some great years there back in. So I think I started there in 2007 and in 2009, we actually went to the Eastern Mass State Finals, um, which was a great experience. I mean, the game didn't turn out the way we hoped. We actually had a 7-2 halftime lead over Walpole and we ended up choking and they came back and um, they earned the victory and overtime and um I don't know if you remember when Loyola went to the when when Loyola won the national championship a few years later, their number one midi was a guy with by the name of Davis Butts, and he was the guy on Walpole who ended up scoring a bunch of goals in the second half and beating us. So, oh, wow, that's a cool that to that championship team at Loyola, and certainly a tough loss. But uh, you know, I mean, it sounds like you guys were. Competing for uh, a championship is never a bad thing, right? Runner-up is not the worst uh, spot in the world. So no, we, we got close a lot, and uh, which is great is that in 2019, Reading actually ended up winning the state championship last year, which is really cool and great for Charlie. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's, it's great you got a chance to learn under a legend. I mean, I think a lot of MCLA coaches get kind of thrown into the mix and. Um, they don't necessarily always get that kind of mentorship that they hope to have. And so it's pretty cool. That you got to spend a, a long time under underneath the legendary coach, learn, learn the ropes. And then in, uh, in 2015, you head off to Daniel Webster to be the offensive coordinator. Um, you know, tell us a little about that move and how that came about. 
So one of my college roommates or um, teammates, Bill Cosentino, got the head coaching job there. It was a full-time job, and he's a defensive guy and was looking for an offensive coach. Um, I was living in Nashua, which is where the college um, was at the time. So it was a good fit. It was a good time for me to move on to college. And at Daniel Webster, it, um, you know, there's a lot, it's a more of a, it was a second chance school for a lot of kids. It was almost like last chance you for hockey and lacrosse, I would say. And uh, it was, so our team was a bunch of misfits, but there were, you know, we had a really strong, good group of guys. And the year before, I think they were two and 12. And the year that Bill and I were there, we went to six and eight, which uh, we were all proud of. And uh, overall, it was a good experience. But ITT Tech just had bought, had just purchased the school and we knew the school was going to fold or we we didn't know the, the future of the school. So we both were looking to get out. Sure, sure. I mean, that makes sense. Like you're not really sure what's going to happen and you are looking to make some moves and you know, fortunately at that time, a, a great coaching job opened up at, at Cal Poly in 2016. And, you know, you were, you were fortunate enough to earn the head coaching position there. Tell us a little bit about that interview experience and um, how you even ended up applying for a school so far away from, you know, the Northeast. So, yeah, we, I was still coaching fall ball at Daniel Webster in New Hampshire. And I saw the posting on Lax Power, I think, pop up for the second time. I had seen it during the summertime and I was interested, but um, I wasn't ready to commit to something like that at the, at that time. And, um, you know, on a whim, I, you know, I reached out to, I think it was Mark Lee at the time and an interview with the, the hiring board, which consisted of, um, you know, Josh Moore, Sean Peel, um, Sean O'Brien, that's where I remember on the call. And some of those guys are my good buddies to this now today. Uh, so that's pretty cool. We always talk about, you know, that interview and it went really well. And it seemed like we were on the same page in terms of commitment and, um, uh, where we were wanted to go with the program. So it seemed like a good fit. Uh, I took a, you know, took a gamble and, you know, moved out in on January 1st, 2016. That's awesome. What a, what a way to start uh, the career at Poly. You know, quick sidebar here. Uh, how much do you miss Lax Power? I do miss Lax Power. Uh, you know, there, there are so many elements to it that were great. Not only, um, you know, I, I used to love looking at the predicted scores. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. Lax Power was great, man. There's just so many great things to, like, dive into. It was, like... It was like the rabbit hole that you get on whenever you go on YouTube now and you search for a video. Next thing you know, you've watched like 17 things. You're like, oh, I just wasted 30 minutes. I used to do that on Laxfire all the time with like predicted scores and ratings. And like, I go look at states I do nothing about. I'd be like, I wonder what's happening in Missouri. You know, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, there are a lot of great features. Well, like you said, I mean, I used to like to look up recruits from different states. Like, how many guys are getting recruited from, like you said, the state of Missouri or whatever? Just, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I remember, I remember clicking through their 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 uh, recruiting database because the search function only worked if you had the exact match, and so basically you'd have to like click through each page. I remember scouring the pages, being like, 
I'm trying to find this one kid. Where did he go? You know, and it's like, oh my gosh, a um, lot of lot of time spent on that site. Uh, anyways, I digress a bit. So, uh, you, you get to Cal Poly in, in spring of 2016, and you you have an incredible season. Uh, you guys go 17 and two, and you make it all the way to the championship game. You know, before we get to the end of that year, tell us what the first three weeks were like. Uh, you know, I came into a great situation with a strong culture and talent. Um, not only that, I had two assistant coaches that were on the staff or were, one was a player and one was an assistant coach for the previous you know, seven, eight years. So um, it was a pretty smooth transition for me. Uh, but the first three weeks were a grind. Uh, our guys were committed, you know, to working hard. And so we practiced hard. We practiced I'd say about two and a half hours minimum, five days a week in the preseason. And, um, you know, it really helped us for that year. But uh, that was definitely not a trend that would continue in years later. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. So you um, so you go through that year, you know, you face uh, – you have an early season loss to Grand Canyon, 10-9 to 9, out in Phoenix. Um, but then you, you run the table – and you you kind of beat everybody, including you winning a win over Cal to win the championship game, um, and you head to the national tournament as uh, I would imagine the one or two seed. I, I don't actually know what remember what seed you were. Do you remember? So we were actually the two seed, and I remember going out to Phoenix that February, uh, going with Josh Moore and Chris Nesbor, who were my assistant coaches at the time, and we were talking. And you know, Grand Canyon was coming off a national championship. And we weren't sure what we were, you know, we only had, I think three starters coming back if that. And so we had no idea what we were. And before that weekend, we really hadn't played anybody. And so going out there was a huge unknown. And, you know, we beat Arizona state. who was a really good team. I think it was like five, four. It was, um, right, that, it was. Seemed a, that seemed to be a trend uh, going forward for a couple of years. there, low scoring games. Uh, and then we lost 10-9 in triple overtime to Grand Canyon, the defending national champions, uh, where we had many opportunities to win that game and we just couldn't uh, couldn't pull it off. So, but coming back from that, we were pretty proud of that trip, and you know we knew we were actual contenders. Right. So you get to the national tournament that year, and you win two big games, Southern Methodist in Colorado, and then you uh, get to rematch Grand Canyon in the Final Four. And you're able to get that W ten to eight before playing Chapman in the finals, um, you know. And, and and you guys lost to Chapman five to nine, but heck of a heck of a team you had. Uh, you know that was the team with Corbelotti and the faceoff guy Austin Lord. And wasn't Peel a sophomore that year? Yeah, Sean was actually a junior, and junior. Sean had an incredible year. He was the I thought he was the best player in the MCLA that year. Uh, he was the reason you know why we gave up I think six goals per game. Um, we also had a, you know, a really strong defense, great face-off guy, great ex-attackman. You know, we had, we had some really good pieces that year. Yeah. You guys were, you guys are good. It was a good year. It's fun. Um, so, you know, you, 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 come in first year, you start off, uh, as you know, basically make it a championship game and you must be thinking next year, like, man, it's gonna be every year. This is awesome. What a great time. But then 2017 rolls around and, and the roads aren't quite as, as nice, you know, it's a little bit tougher road. You guys uh, end up losing the first round, um, and then in 2018 you don't make the tournament. 
you know, tell me a little about what that was like as a coach, you know, going through that process of, you know, being at the top of the, the top of the world to not making the tournament. I mean, that must've been tough for you guys as a coach and as a program. Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, I think looking back on it, I think we overachieved in 2016. We were kind of a similar Cinderella story in 2017, you know, in 2016, we only graduated one senior. So in theory, we had the, the entire team coming back with a strong class coming in. So 2017 expectations were high. And, you know, I think our guys, you know, and staff, you know, I think we, we thought we were going to be the number one team and that we should win it. And I don't think uh, we worked hard enough as a, as a whole and uh, we definitely underachieved. And, you know, it's not like we had a bad year. I mean, we beat the number one team in the country twice. Uh, but like you said, we, we got some injuries in the playoffs. And that first round of the playoffs against Virginia Tech, we got bounced. And, um, you know, we got smoked in that game. I think it was a 9-5, but it, it really wasn't even close. Right. Yeah, I mean, that was a great team that year. I mean, no doubt about it. And you did have a couple injuries that, that stunk. Uh, for you guys, uh, you know, I thought, I thought it was a that was a tough year. I mean, I thought for sure, like from where you guys were at the beginning to where you thought you were going to be at the end, it just didn't add up. But that happens. Um, but like you said, you had some big games that you did win, and that you know you had some, you played a tough schedule too. So you guys, you know, yeah, hats off to that. You you went sixteen and three. It wasn't a a bad year by any stretch. Um, just uh, not the ending you wanted, I think. But then next year, you know, in twenty eighteen, you guys you have a tough year. You're eight and nine. And you don't make the tournament, you know, what was the conversation with that team? You know, when you get to the end of the road and, and you're not there, you know, what, what was that like? It, it was a struggle. I mean, we, like, like I said, I mean, expectations are high at Cal Poly. We, we expect to win. And, you know, we had lost some key players uh, from the previous season that, you know, we expected to be back that didn't end up coming back. And, a lot of that came down to, um, you know, lack of communication between myself and I think that, you know, the, the player board, you know, I don't think we are on the same page in terms of um, practice timing and commitment level. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think I burnt a lot of those guys out. You know, I think we, it was too much. And, you know, that's what I've learned about the MCLA is the most, one of the most important parts of your, your team makeup is, the constant communication between you and the players and being on the same page in terms of your schedule um, and the commitment level and to make sure that um, everything is copacetic. Yeah, it's not, it's not a simple process. And, you know, it was cool to see, though, you guys bounce back in 2019 and you make the tournament and you, you lose in the first round to, to New Hampshire. But you know, admittedly, I'd say, like, from my perspective, I thought that was a great game between you guys and uh, was that a, a single overtime or a double overtime game? It was a single overtime game. Uh, yeah, yeah, that that's a, that was a tough game. We you know we were up. We had a good lead. Um, we were firing on all cylinders in the first half. Um, we couldn't be stopped, and in the second half, um, you know we couldn't score. And you know we we knew that they they had a very um, good offense and that they were going to score goals and we were going to have to keep up with them. And at the end of the day, we couldn't score as many goals as they could. And um, yeah, they scored. They had a man up to start overtime, so they had the ball. We ended up killing it, I believe, and they ended up keeping the ball and scoring. So 
Uh, we never touched the ball. That was a tough end to the year, uh, especially you know, playing UNH. A team that came out to Cal Poly a few years before and beat us by like six goals. So we really wanted that win, but uh, fortunately it didn't work out. Yeah, you know, but uh, I think the cool part about this and the theme is really like uh, it's the story that is the success side of this, right? That, you know, you came in, you got to the championship game in year one, went through some tough rounds here, but certainly it, it looks like this year in 2020, you kind of rebuilt it, re- rebounded rather, and rebuilt this team to be a contender again in, in terms of that top five level. And uh, you finished the year's number one team in the country, uh, a well-deserved honor in terms of your uh, resume. I think you and New Hampshire were, were right there. So, you know, I think it's a, a cool story to, to see like that progress and that ebb and flow of an MCLA team that, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize like MCLA is a grind, you know, it's not simple. Yeah, it's something that we're yeah we were happy we were happy with uh, making the tournament last year. I, you know, I think we like I said we we could have easily won a game or two there. And I, I don't necessarily think we were you know a, a top five team at the time. I do think we were a top ten team. Uh, but this past season in twenty twenty, I do believe we were a top five team and definitely a contender. So um, it's something to build off. I think you know with some pieces we have coming in next year. I think, again, we will be in a position to compete. Awesome. So let's let's talk about next year a little bit. Um, and let's kind of talk about, before we talk about next year, actually, let's talk about that, you know, navigating the MCLA. I mean, I think you've kind of alluded to it, but what are some of the lessons you've kind of learned as you've been coaching the MCLA and, and the challenges it faces to get from, you know, the top to the bottom back to the top again? Well, you know, for us... You know, recruiting, you know, we, we, we do a little bit of recruiting, uh, but our our main focus is player retention. We need to keep our – we want the players that are already on campus playing lacrosse. And there's at Cal Poly with 20,000 students, there's going to be good players on campus. We just need them to be playing. And, you know, we've had years where we struggled to keep those guys on the field. So we, we really emphasize, you know, player retention. And um, finding a common balance between the coaching staff and the player board on on the commitment level and the practice timings, so that everybody's on the same page. And uh, you know, for me, I think that was the most important thing because um, you know we've lost great players because it was too much. And uh, you know, I'll never go the route of you know practicing one or two days a week and having um, you know beer league type team. But I think there is a balance that you can find it where you can be successful. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we've we have a. I think it's hugely important. I mean, I have a player board here at uh, at Tech. We we meet pretty much every week to talk about you know what we want to do, and and right now we're meeting to talk about next year and plans and practice schedules and what makes sense to you know fit with the academic rigors of of Tech, um, just like you have at Cal Poly, right? So every school is gonna be slightly different, and you need to adjust to fit the profile of the players at the school. So that's cool. And that's something that's different about the MCLA, I think, than anywhere else because, you know, in the NCAA where you're, you report up to the athletic department, it's much more of like a, you know, this is how it's going to be, or you can, you know, go pound sand. And so I think this is a different world. Yeah, Um, absolutely. I mean, there's so many different options for these kids at at, um, these big colleges, you know, Greek life, um, other clubs. Uh, academically, you know, in the quarter system, it's a pretty rigorous schedule. So, 
Um, there's a lot of opportunities, a lot of options for them. Uh, so it's important to to build a culture that's fun and that they, you know, that they enjoy. No doubt about it. So uh, let's talk about next year. Um, you know, national tournaments moving to Texas. Thoughts? Yeah, I was just uh, looking up on my weather app and the, at the weather in Austin, and uh, it's high nineties all week. So it's definitely going to be a grind for the twenty twenty one national champion uh, winning seven, uh, winning four games in seven days and um, sweltering heat. So that's going to be a grind, and uh, maybe we'll uh, practice next year and, and sweltering heat uh, to prepare. <laughs> You're going to yeah, ice baths all around, right? Ice baths all around. Um, <laughs> oh, man, uh, cool. I enjoyed our time in Salt Lake City. We had a blast. We went up. Um, one of our players is from Salt Lake City. He actually went to Judge Memorial. Uh, shout out, Doug Gosselin. Doug uh, went to Judge Memorial. So he was hoping he could play in the national championship this year at his uh, hometown fields. Um, but yeah, he, his family's from Salt Lake City, and they got us some passes to go up to Snowbird. So we went up there as, as a team, which was really fun. But um, yeah, we're looking for. Yeah, I'm looking forward to having the opportunity to get to try to get to Austin next year. Yeah, uh, it'll be it'll be cool. I mean, have you ever been to Texas before? I have not been to Austin. I've been to Dallas. Okay. Austin's a super cool place. I mean, I, I definitely am excited to see the championships be right there. Um, I, I agree with you. The heat's going to be interesting. You know, for the old EMSA old timers, uh, the EMSA tournament was back in Texas. I want to say the dates were like 2006 to 2008, maybe, or something along those lines. And I remember being at Pizza Hut Park in Dallas, and uh, I remember the the heat being pretty warm for those kind of mid afternoon games that were happening. So. Um, it'll be interesting, but Austin's a sweet town. So, you know, that part's cool. Um, you know, have you done your schedule for 2021 yet or started at least? Yeah, I think it's done. I'm hoping there's no changes that are made, but yeah, we're looking at we start to start the season against USC. Uh, who's going to be strong again next year. And then we play Chico, Concordia, Oregon, Chapman, Utah Valley, BYU, Cal, Liberty, Colorado. Colorado State, Stanford, Santa Clara, Santa Barbara. So um, we got a tough schedule next year um, and plenty of opportunities to build a resume. Yeah, that's that's great, man. I, I noticed there's no Virginia Tech on there. What's what's the holdup? <laughs> uh, yeah, at the end of the day, uh, we, we decided to go to Colorado over Virginia. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's all good. Uh it's all good. I, I know you couldn't handle Blacksburg weather. You know, it's not, it's not quite as warm as, uh, as, as slow as, um, but, uh, down here in California. Yeah. Uh, but, but you got a good schedule in front of you. I mean, some really good teams and, uh, you know, a lot of top, top 25 games, which is great. Um, you know, I'm certainly looking forward to, uh, seeing you guys play next year. Uh, any, are your seniors returning? Yeah, so you know a lot of it's up in the air, but I think uh, one one senior plans on returning. Uh, Jack Tunney uh, plans on being here next winter, so he plans on playing, which would be great. You know, he's the um, he's the vocal leader of our team. He's an intense guy, great defenseman, former first team All American. So he'll be great to have back. 
on the defense. Um, our other guys, I think, are undecided or won't be playing. Most of them plan on graduating this spring or next uh, fall. So I don't think it's really in the cards for them. But you know, uh, you never know. I hope I hope I do get those guys back. But um, it's not looking great. <laughs> Well, it's 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 great to see uh, Jack Tony back. He is an awesome young man. He played for me at one on one lacrosse, and um, and certainly I love his family. and And he's a he's going to be a good leader for you. And uh, you can maybe start recruiting his brother now, Cheddar. See if you can get Cheddar to come to Slow. Um, yeah, we're, we're supposedly his number one school, so we're hoping to have another Tony in the program in a couple of years. Yeah, I was texting with Jack, and I I told him. Uh, I told him slow might be number one, but I know Texas close number two, so it's all good. We'll uh, we'll flip that script a little bit here. Um, Coach, uh, where can we follow you on social media? Oh, um, Twitter at Bobby Dabrio. At Bobby Dabrio on Twitter. All right, Coach. Thanks you very much for your time. I really appreciate it, and uh, you know we we wish you the best of luck next year. Okay. I appreciate you having me, and I love what you're doing. Awesome, man. Thanks. That's uh, the last edition of Stall Warning. We appreciate you guys listening. You can follow us on social at 101 underscore LAX on Instagram and at 101 Lacrosse on Twitter and Facebook. Until next time, see ya.